being a part of our family. Yeah. You really mean a lot to us. And this is not, you know, your church 10 years from now. This is your church now. Right. You know, this is not where it's 10 years, I'm, I'm actually going to be a part. No. We want you to know, teens, that you're a part of us now. Yeah. Um, and you're very important to us. Yeah. You know, the, our modern family today is called Teen Legacy because their legacy building begins now. Who they are, what they do. Remember when you were a teenager? Legacy you built? Man, mine was a disaster. Mine was a disaster. Remember as a teenager, remember this. Um, this is typical of some teens. A whiz who can operate the latest computer without a lesson. Kids are pretty savvy. But they can't make their bed. That's teen life. A student who will spend 12 minutes studying for their history exam and 12 hours for their driver's license exam. They're connoisseurs of music, right? Loud and very loud. You know, it's when a a boy can sleep until noon on any Saturday when he suspects that he needs to mow the lawn. That's how I grew up. When Dad wants something done, I was too tired. You know, the Bible says something to, to the younger people in the church. If you turn with me or just listen in, it's in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 12. Paul says a statement here for any of those who are young. Young in the faith, young physically. Just really understand that Timothy here had a a daunting task. Entering a church in Ephesus, a lot of terrible situations were happening there. Had to come in and really lead older people. And sometimes when you come into the teen ministry, you're around older people. And so he says this, Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. So don't let anyone look down on you. But, he says, set an example for the believers in a few areas. In speech, in your conduct, in your love, in your faith. And in your purity. You're a part of our family now. I want to thank all the parents who are really involved in their son's and daughter's life. It's a family ministry. We're a modern spiritual family. If you're visiting with us, my name is Gio Garces. Uh, We're grateful you're here. Um, Wisecracks are here. Friends are here. It's an awesome place. We love our family. We actually know each other outside of Sunday. We actually spend time with each other during the week. That is our family. And sometimes that can be a little bit um, challenging because growing up in church, it wasn't like that. Church was seen on Sunday. You know, and then, you know, for me, I had to go in this little room and talk about my my sins and, you know, to a guy I didn't really know. It was a little odd at at times, you know. And I did that because that's what made it clean and all better so I can do it again, you know. Um, And that was life. It was very distant. It was very... You know, arm's length, you know, personal, this is private. But we want to welcome you to our family. We're open, we're honest, we're broken, but we need each other. That's who we are. We're, we're funny, we're weird, but we need each other. we got problems, but we need each other. It's a family. You know, being younger is no excuse for not being spiritual. That's right. Teen ministry, being young is not an excuse to be unspiritual. But set an example for the older ones. 
You know, sometimes when, you're, when you've been around a while, you see a young, young, young man or a, a woman as a teenager get baptized and become a Christian. You're like, ah, oh, there's so I remember when I was that. And you remind us of what we lived through growing up as young Christians. It's a reminder for us. Amen. You know, a little boy opened the big, big and old family Bible with fascination. And he looked at all the old pages as he turned them. Suddenly something fell out of the Bible. And he picked it up and looked at it very closely. It was an old leaf from a tree that had been pressed in between the pages. Mama, look what I found, the boy called out. What have you got there, dear? His mother asked. With astonishment, he says, I think it's Adam's suit. <laughs> That's where it starts. When you're, when you're in a family that opens the Bible, you know, it starts early. The earlier, the better. As you teach your kids. You know, in Psalms 127, there's a, there's a, there's a sentence here that's very important and profound. It says, unless the Lord builds the house... The builders labor in vain. When you're building your life and God is not a part of the process, you can labor in vain. And there's a frustration that's being built and you're frustrated. And sometimes you're even going to church and you're frustrated. Because church is supposed to fix things, right? Maybe not. Maybe you and your relationship with God are supposed to fix things. And if the whole, the whole church is made up of people that are, that are focused on their relationship with God, then the church comes together. Yeah. And it can be frustrating finding your way around navigating. Because I believe God has begun a work in every one of us. Whether you're visiting here or you've been part of this church, God has begun a work in you. And He wants to see it completed. You know, when I was invited to church when I was 20, 21 years old, I, just, I had no concept of what a family was. So when I came to church and I was like, I was so like hard on the outside but fired up on the inside. You know, come to church, you're like, what are these strange people doing here? Why are they hugging everybody? Why are they so warm? What's the catch? What do they want from me? But inside I was like, yes, hug me. Someone just hug me. But I, I would not show that. I'd be like, hmm. I had this look, and so some of the guys were like trying to hug me in this awkward, distant hug, like, hey, I welcome to church. And I was like, that was weird, but it felt kind of good. <laughs> you know, and that was my experience coming, because I didn't know what it was like coming to a church and then someone actually being genuinely concerned, or, hey, how are you? Give me a, hey, can we have lunch afterwards? Hey, can we get some time together? That was so foreign to me. That just didn't happen. And I have a statement I want you to write down. Building your relationship with God starts today. Should have started yesterday, but if you're here for the first time, it starts today. For team ministry, you have to start building it today. You can't wait for later. It starts now. Yeah. If you're not close to God, building your house and your relationship with God starts today. Starts now. We don't put it off and wait. We don't wait for the Sunday lesson to, to motivate you. It starts today. You know, a little boy returning home from his first day of school said to his mother, Mom, what's sex? His mother, who believed in the most modern educational theories, gave him a detailed explanation covering all aspects of the tricky subject. 
when she had finished, the little guy produced an enrollment form which he had brought home from school that day and said, yes, but how am I going to get all of that into one little square? You know, as parents, sometimes you can be over-eager to give information that's not totally timely appropriate. You know, we're so excited to teach our kids. We're so thrilled and we want them to know everything. Parents, let the process take its course. There's a process in raising children, different stages of life. There's a process. You know, in 1 Corinthians 13, it says this. You guys were a little slow on that joke, but I appreciate you guys getting on it later. Comes around. Gets there. Comes around. Gets there. Yeah, I'm getting better. In 1 Corinthians 13, it says, Love always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. You know, when Danny shared that, I thought about that passage because it was in my notes. I'm going, that's what love is. Loving through the bad times, the hard times, difficult times, the the times where you don't understand what's happening. Why is this happening? It trusts. You know, when you're growing up in your parents' house, sometimes your parents are like, "Why, why are they doing that? But we had to trust that they're trying to make the best decisions they can. Trusting, But we can trust God who's, who's perfect yeah. in His decision-making process. See, a lot of times our, 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 our view of God is indicative of how our relationship with our fathers were. And we start, we start going, is God like... No, no, He's the perfect version of your earthly father. He doesn't make that mistake. He doesn't overlook you. He doesn't not notice you. He knows when it's your birthday. He knows how many hairs you have on your head daily that are falling out. He knows all these things. In a Christian family. And I'm so impressed by these kids growing up in a Christian family. I'm so impressed by the parents who are raising Christian kids. You know, I got a six year old and an eight year old. Three or four. There's a big group in the third, fourth, and fifth grade class. That's a big group. There's like 18 of them in there. It's a lot of kids coming up. And love, it is the one the number one greatest factor in having a family. The greatest factor is love. You'd think it's discipline, huh? But it's love. Because love without... Discipline without love creates atheists, in my view. Because their view of God usually comes from that. So, love is the ultimate factor. And with with some appropriate biblical discipline, it's amazing. They, They trust, they love, they understand... But they know there. But they know there. There's some discipline to some actions that they do in life. It's very loving, and that's the number one factor. You know, when you're a teenager, no is a complete sentence. Or, or when you ask them, "Hey, how are you doing?" Good. That's a complete sentence for them. You know, I had to learn when I was in the team ministry not to ask those kind of questions. I asked them questions where it at least required a three-word answer. But that's part of being a, a, a kid is that, is that sometimes they're growing up and they don't know what to say, how to say it. And it's important for us to, to let them express themselves yeah. and, and draw them out and ask them, ask them questions that are going to get you to know them better. It's going to take all of us helping. I mean, primarily it's their parents. But this is the extended family that we can be a part of that. Yeah. It's an awesome thing. You know, in James chapter 3, verse 18... It reads this. 
Peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. Yeah, in another version it says this, you can develop a healthy, robust community that lives right with God and enjoy its results only if you do the hard work of getting along with each other and treating each other with dignity and honor. It's another translation or loosely translated of the Message Version Bible, which the teens I heard love. Work for peace in your family. It's very important that mom and dad are at peace. Yeah. And it can't be peace, peace when there is no peace. It can't be pretend peace. Because that pretend peace usually is deafening silence in the house. That's the, that's the peace, peace when there's no peace. Where you're like, dinner is like quiet. Because mom and dad, and I've had those dinners. Yeah. And, and the kids are like, and I'm like, we better go to the garage and talk. Mom. You know, we've had that. I've seen that growing up. Peace, peace, where there is no peace. Strive for peace because you'll reap a harvest of it. Doesn't mean don't deal with the issues. That's not peace. Deal with the issues. Deal with your marriage. Deal with the with the lack of closeness in your marriage. Deal with that. That's a reality. It's always your your marriage is always like this. It just creeps away. But it's it's us to keep it our job to keep it close by engaging, talking. You know, Karen likes to talk a lot. And you think that I would love to talk a lot. Right. But I don't at home. I like to talk at church. I like to talk here. This is great. I'll know you. At home, like, I just want to watch some TV and just chill. I don't want to communicate. I don't want to talk. Karen's like, why don't we talk more? I was like, we hung out all day. I mean, what do you, you uh, spend nine hours again today? You know, we were really next to each other the whole day. But it's the talking. It's the communicating. That's what makes my wife shine. And so when I get home, I have to really work on talking. And how was, I have to ask these questions. So how was your day? I'm hoping for a one word answer. So we can just wrap things up. Not going to happen. It doesn't happen the way I want it to happen. And I have to work for peace in my family. Because when, when, I'm, when I'm involved with Karen on that level... The kids thrive. Yeah, they thrive. They love it. You know, and when I when I was when I saw one day I kissed, I was like, oh, that's so odd and strange and bizarre. Because they didn't do it very often. It was like once every six months. I go like, oh, please, we're trying to eat breakfast. It was just, it was just, oh, because we never really saw it. It was spooky. Parents are, are, are amazing people. I respect parents. If you have children, it's just, tip my hat. It, it, you know, at, at first it seems, oh, this is cake, this is nothing. Then when they get older, you're going, whoa, this is something. How do I handle this? And here's a little story. A teenage boy who just passed his driving test and inquired of his father as to when they could discuss his use of the car. His father said he'd make him a deal. You bring your grades up from a C to a B average, study your Bible a little, and get yourself a haircut, then we'll talk about the car. The boy thought about it for a moment, decided he'd settle for the offer, and he agreed to it. After about six weeks, his father said, Son, you've brought your grades up, and I've observed you've been studying your Bible a little bit, that's good, but I'm disappointed you haven't had your haircut. The boy said, You know, Dad, I've been thinking about that. 
And I've noticed in my studies of the Bible that Samson had long hair. John the Baptist had long hair. Moses had long hair. And there's some pretty strong evidence that even Jesus had long hair. His father replied, It's true. Did you also notice they all walked everywhere they went? You know, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16, it says, He makes, God makes the whole body, that's the church, fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow. So that the whole body, the whole church, is healthy and growing and full of love. One thing about, I loved coming to church was I know I'm, I'm guaranteed to get 20 to 30 hugs. It's guaranteed. Even when you're doing terrible, people want to hug you. They don't care. And I always love that one brother who gives you the full embrace. Just cheek to cheek, you're like, ha, oh, I'm not feeling that this morning, but amen. Hug all that. There was one in the fellowship who oh, wants to go for him. I'm going, I love this brother. I needed that. You know, in the, in the Old Testament teens, it says this. It's a great scripture. I want you to memorize this. It says in, in Psalm 122, it says, the New Living Translation, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. You know, I wasn't very happy going, growing to church growing up. But you know, when I talk to my kids and uh, raising kids now, you know, I, I, make, I try to make church exciting for them. It's, it's a great place. And my attitude reflects their, 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 their impression or their, their attitudes toward God's church. My attitude reflects that. If I'm, if I'm like, oh, I'm not fired, you know, they're not going to like it too much. So I was like, hey, hey, we're going to go see our best friends. Because we're going to go see some of our best friends are here. It's awesome. You know, yesterday, you know, Jaden went over to one of his best friend's house and uh, went on the, their farm, uh, little Jake Burns, and they were riding bikes. And I mean, he, on the ride home, he was, he was out. He was just in a coma, sleeping. I was like, we're going to hang out tonight for a little bit. Maybe I'll keep him up. We'll have a special daddy-son time. But after hanging out with the Burns family, he's done. All the bike riding and energy on the farm was it just was warm out. I'm going, that's what it's about. That's what it's about. Our kids and other families working together. You know, when you begin to realize that real life starts and ends with God, you start seeing things differently. You know, being grateful and being happy to come worship God. Trusting God. Trusting that, that He allows a process to happen. A process for you to grow. It's not instant oatmeal. It's a process. We have to work through that process. You know, I appreciate Danny sharing that. There's a process there. Yeah. And lastly, in Deuteronomy 7, verse 9, it says, know, know therefore, know this, that the Lord your God is God. And He is faithful, keeping His covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love Him and keep His commands. God will never give up on you. Amen. Ever. Amen. He is faithful. Amen. He doesn't forget about you. He doesn't forget about your situation. You're very important to Him. Keep your relationship with Him. But you have to start building it today. 
and to God be the glory. Have a great afternoon. We're going to have a, a few responses from the team in the street. Thank you.